Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. This teaching is from the series, God's Covenants. The Bible is structured by a series of covenants, all of which are focused on and fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The goal of these covenants is to create and redeem a people in whom God might dwell so that they will glorify and enjoy Him forever. We hope this helps you understand and apply God's Word in your life today. Today we're going to be starting a new section in our study of God's covenants. We're going to be looking for uh, several weeks here at God's covenant with Abram, Abraham. Uh, we'll use both names because God changes his name. We're going to begin today right at the beginning of the story in Genesis chapter 12. We're going to look at verses 1 to 7. They're going to be up here on the screen. They're in your booklet. And as always, you can follow along in your Bible or uh, in your Bible on your phone or uh, iPad. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 7. I'm going to be uh, using the New International Version this morning. So hear now the word of our covenant God. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with Abram, went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and all the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they lived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. There are certain moments in history that just stand out. Uh, one of those happened in June of 1942. Uh, while I was sick earlier this week, I actually queued up a, a thing on World War II, which is one of my favorite topics, and it was great moments in World War II. And if you know much about the, the early part of the war, from December 7, 1941, at Pearl Harbor, all the way through the middle of 1942, Japan was expanding rapidly. America was losing everywhere. Things just seemed to go from one disaster to a worse disaster. And Japan had planned to do a major attack at this little un seemingly insignificant place called Midway Atoll out in the Pacific, and they were going to try and lure out the few remaining American ships that had not been destroyed at Pearl Harbor, and they thought that they were going to sink the what they thought were just two American carriers, because they thought they had already sunk two of them at the Battle of Coral Sea, and they were planning this ambush. However, uh, the Americans figured out what the attack was happening, and so they set their own ambush, and unbeknownst to the Japanese, the Yorktown had not been sunk. It had actually been repaired, and instead of taking three months, which is what they had told Chester Nimitz, he told them they had three days, and they had actually done this. And even though the battle at first looked like it was going to kind of go back and forth, within 10 minutes, four Japanese carriers were set on fire and sunk, and the entire course of the war changed. Everything shifted in 10 minutes. It went from looking like the Japanese were winning yet another battle to in fact, not just losing a battle, abject disaster that they were never able to recover from. Their admiral knew the war was over after that 10 minutes had happened. And those kind of moments are really, really important. The same thing happens biblically. The Bible's a big book, but there are certain passages, there are certain moments in the story that stand out. Obviously, the moment of creation, the moment of fall is that way. Uh, the flood story is really important, but one of those is when you come to Genesis 12. Many of you may be unaware of this, but if you look at Genesis 1 to 11, those 11 chapters cover, at a minimum, the same period of human history as from Genesis 12 through the rest of the Bible. 
So there's a lot of time in Genesis 1 to 11, and we're only seeing a few little events. And then suddenly you come to Genesis 12, and everything slows down. Because this is a critical moment. God is initiating a relationship with this man named Abram. And he's going to re, uh, reestablish the covenant two more times in Genesis 15 and 17, and we'll look at those. But it all begins here in Genesis 12. God is doing something new and different. It's like that 10 minutes at midway. Everything has shifted and changed from the moment of the text that we read today. So what is God's covenant with Abram, and what does it mean for you and me? How does it apply to us? So we'll dive in and look. In Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, which is where God is actually doing it, I want you to first see the structure of what's going on here. And this isn't always easy to see in your English uh, Bibles, but in Genesis 12, verses 1 to 3, there are two imperatives. That's a, that, that's a way of giving a command, okay? And so it's very clear in the Hebrew, these are imperatives. That's one in verse 1, which is get up and go, is what it literally is. Uh, lek I want you to get up and get out of your land, go away from where you, you are. And then that's followed by three promises that God makes. I'll make you into a great nation, in verse 2. I will bless you, and I will make your name great. And then there's another command. You, shall, you will be a blessing, or you shall be a blessing. This is not a prediction. It's a command. The Hebrew grammar is clear. This is a command by God. Just like get up and go is a command, there is a command, you will be a blessing, Abram. And then that's followed by three more promises. I'll bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who curse you. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So notice there's two commands, and each of those commands is followed by three promises. And the promises actually flow from the commands. In other words, if Abram really wants to receive and enjoy these promised blessings, he's got to do what God is telling him. In other words, the blessing is not where Abraham is living in Haran. The blessing is going where I'm telling you to go. And the blessing, Abram, is really found when you are giving the blessing away. So notice here, he's telling Abram, in essence, I want you to leave your nation and if you do so, I'm going to make you into a nation. I want you to leave everything you know behind, and I'm going to bless you. And in fact, the previous story, of course, is the Tower of Babel, where you remember they built a tower, and they were going to build a tower for their name. And God says, don't be like Babel. I'm going to give you a name, Abram. You don't have to worry about getting your own name. I will take care of it. And I want you to bless others, knowing that I'm going to take care of you. So this is the, the, the kind of structure. There are these commands, and then there are these promises that are flowing out of the commands. And I want you to see, as we look at the text, it is very clear here, this central idea in the covenant is blessing. Now, we'll put up here on the screen Genesis 12, 2 and 3, and notice five different times the word bless or blessed or blessing is used. Five times. Now, first off, that's a lot of times in just two verses. I mean, that, that's clearly the dominant thing that's going on here. But not only that, the word bless or blessed or blessing has only been used six times in the first 11 chapters of the Bible. You've gone through 11 chapters and you've seen it six times, and then suddenly in two verses, the word occurs five times. The other times it occurred, you remember when God created, he blessed creation. He blessed humanity. And then the other time was when we came off of the ark, and God is renewing the creation. God blesses Noah and his sons, and he reinstitutes that covenant of creation and all the blessings there. And so, But here, we are now getting blessing in a concentrated form. Six times in 11 chapters, and now we get it five times in two verses. So clearly, the promise 
to bless is the very heart of God's covenant with Abram. If we don't understand anything else about what God is doing in this moment, God is shifting and changing. Everything is changing, and God is focusing and concentrating a blessing on Abraham. And these are the blessings that God intended at creation and that he renewed after the flood are now being promised and focused on Abraham. And so let's look at what the promised blessings are. He, God gives four promised covenant blessings here to Abram in uh, this section. If you look at verses 2 and 3 and then down at verse 7. The first one is what you could, you could refer to as posterity. I, I'll try and come up with a P to help you remember these. He promises Abraham, look, I know you're an old man with no children, but I'm promising you that people are going to come out of you. Notice in verse 2, he says, I will make you into a great nation. In verse 7, he promises your offspring or your seed. We're going to keep using that word. It's the same word you remember all the way back in Genesis 3.15. God had promised a seed of the woman. God is now telling Abram, you're going to have a seed, you're going to have an offspring, and they're going to inherit this land. So the first promise is, Abram, I know you're an old man. I know you and Sarah have been barren. It appears that you cannot have children, but I'm telling you, you'll not only have children, an entire nation is going to come out of you. Secondly, God's promising Abram provision. Notice in verse 2, he says, I will bless you. Now, you have to understand, Abram has left everything he has known. You got your provision in the ancient world by staying and receiving the inheritance from your father. But Abram's been told to get up and leave his father. He's been told to leave his land. He's been told to leave everything he knows and go somewhere. He doesn't even know where he's going. So how's he going to have provision? God says, I'm going to give you provision. You're going to have posterity. You're going to have provision. Thirdly, I'm going to make you prominent. He says, I'm going to make your name great. Now, once again, Abram had the chance, staying with his dad, to inherit the family prestige, the family position, to be where he was known. But he's now going off to he doesn't even know where. Obviously, he's not known. He knows nobody there. Nobody there would know him. There's no way he would become known. But God says, I'm going to make you great. I'm going to make your name great. People are going to know who you are. And then the fourth thing he promises is protection. This phrase in verse 3, I'll bless those who bless you and whoever curses you all curse. We need to understand, Abram's living in a time where he's picking up and he's going away from everything he's known. He's going to be out there on his own. He's going to be vulnerable. So what things he does have, and if God is blessing him with even more, who's going to protect Abram? Normally the answer would be, well, all of your extended family except for Abram's been called to leave that extended family, they are not there. There is no other source of protection. So God is saying, Abram, everything I am calling you to do leaves you in a vulnerable position. It looks as if you will have no family. I'm going to give you family. It looks as if you are leaving all provision behind. I'm going to be your provision. It looks as if your name and reputation is left behind you. I'm going to give you a name and a reputation. And it looks as if there is no protection for you, but Abram, I will be your protection. Now, friends, we need to understand this covers all of life for Abram. Everything he could be thinking about is covered under God's covenant and under God's blessing. And it's covered not only now, but even into the future. Because notice that this is going down in verse 7, we're told to his offspring. In verse 2, the very first thing that is mentioned is, I'm going to make you into a nation. There is a future aspect to this. And so God's covenant with Abram is one of abundant, rich, overflowing blessing. You, you cannot read this passage and miss that. God is slowing everything down and saying, I am focusing my ability to bless down onto Abraham 
and on to his offspring. If you are Abram, or if you are the offspring of Abram, God is saying, I am establishing covenant with you, and I will be a source of blessing for you. How many people would like to be Abram in that spot all of a sudden? I mean, that would be, that would be pretty awesome if you were suddenly there, you would say, wow, how in the world did I fall into this place? And I want you to notice the nature of the blessing. Every area of life is included. Now remember, blessings mentioned five times here, it was mentioned six times earlier, and in the creation and the account with Noah, it, both times it was about being fruitful. It was about increasing. It was about this uh, multiplication for creation and humanity. It's not restricted just to the spiritual area of life. It was every area of life that God blessed at creation and again after the flood. And so we now come to Abram, and there's nothing that tells us this is changing. God is promising to bless Abram in all of those ways. God specifically is extending the blessing to multiple areas here to Abram. Abram, I'm going to bless you with your posterity, with provision, with prominence, with protection. Every area of your life is going to come under my blessing. And that is clearly true for Abram. But if you are a student of the Scripture, you should know and understand what is always the primary blessing. It's always the gospel. The primary blessing is that Abram is in covenant with God. And you don't have to take my somewhat fogged brain thoughts on this this week. Paul tells us what the primary blessing is. In Galatians chapter 3, just a couple verses before the, the passage where Bobby opened our meeting up this morning. Galatians 3.8, Paul says this, The Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham, all nations will be blessed through you. Now this is when it makes my job as a Bible teacher very easy. When the Holy Spirit tells you what an Old Testament passage means in the New Testament, it makes my job really, really easy. And here's what Paul, by the Holy Spirit, tells us Genesis 12 is about. It's about the gospel. And notice he's very specific. It's not just general good news. It is the gospel of justification by faith alone. That God was going to justify the Gentiles, Paul says, is at the heart of what is being proclaimed to Abraham here. All nations are going to be blessed through you. The ultimate blessing given to Abram is the gospel. Because if you and I had every other blessing that could be possibly imagined in this life and you did not have the gospel, friend, you would have nothing. I would have nothing. Everything depends on the gospel. Abram is blessed because Abram is coming out of a pagan culture. Abram is from Babylon. Abram is from where they were doing the Tower of Babel. We are told by Stephen in Acts 7, Abram is a pagan coming out of a pagan family. And suddenly, God reaches out to Abram and says, I have chosen you, and I am going to establish covenant with you, and I am going to fulfill my covenant purposes and plans that began all the way at creation, that were renewed in the covenant of redemption, that I have kept through the covenant of preservation. I'm going to focus them through you, Abram, receive the gospel. That's what's going on here in Genesis chapter 12. Abram is ultimately blessed because the Redeemer, the seed of the woman, is going to be the seed of Abram. The gospel will pass through Abram. And so the primary focus in this covenant is not common grace that we looked at with Noah a few weeks ago, but saving grace. And friends, that is the most important thing. I am grateful for all of God's blessings and provisions in life. And you and I ought to be. We live in a blessed time. We live in a blessed place. And we ought to thank God for them every day. But more than anything 
else, we ought to be grateful for the gospel. I was grateful this week when I had the flu and I was sick and things were happening in my body that were extremely unpleasant. The first words kept coming out of my mouth was, oh, Jesus. And then the second thought was, I am so glad that I know to call out to Jesus even right now. Because whatever else is going on, I have a covenant God who loves me and who cares for me and who is watching over me, and I am part of his people because of Jesus Christ. And nothing can take that away. There is no flu virus, not even death itself can remove that from you and I. The gospel is the ultimate blessing always. And If I can just help you understand, when you're reading, you need to ask yourself, when we read this text in Genesis 12, are we seeing gospel? Am I seeing Jesus? Because Paul says that's what you ought to be seeing. You ought to be seeing the gospel. You ought to be seeing Jesus. Every other blessing pales in comparison to the gospel. But I do want you to understand, that means in uh, this covenant, God is promising blessing, the ultimate blessing of the gospel, and then the overflow of that is is restoring to us all the other blessings that God has. But that's not where the covenant stops, because the covenant moves on, and there is that second command, and that command, that call, is, Abram, you are blessed to be a blessing. Has anybody in this church ever heard that phrase before? Like every week, right? Okay, see, this is, this is not something that's just harebrained that we've made up. It comes right out of the word of God. Abram, you are blessed. More blessed than you can imagine because it is God promising to bless you. But I am telling you what to do with it. Be a blessing. So notice again in verse 2. I'm going to make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. And again, In English, it can sound like that could be a prediction, like, you know, this afternoon you'll come home and you will find, uh, you know, this TV show on or whatever. This is not what it is. This is more like when a parent tells a child, when you come home this afternoon, you will clean your room. God is saying, Abram, I am blessing you, blessing you, blessing you, and I'm telling you what you're going to do with it. You will be a blessing. It's a command from God to Abram. Not a suggestion, but rather a command. And God is saying, I'm going to bless you. You have to be a blessing for others. Abram, the blessing is not being given to you for you to consume. It's being given to you so that you can be a source, a channel of blessing to others. It's not being given to you to hoard up, Abram. It's being given to you to go through you because I want to bless the ends of the earth, and you are the chosen vessel through which I'm going to do this. So Abram, lift up your eyes. Your vision is outward. I called you away from where you were to a place you did not know. You are a pilgrim because I am calling you that everywhere you go, you spread blessing. That's what your call is, Abram. And so we have to understand, think of how huge this blessing is to Abram. Every area of life, everything the man can think of is covered by the blessing of God. And so God is saying, just as the blessing is huge, so must be your heart to bless others. I'm not giving you huge blessing so you can be little blessing. I'm giving you more blessing than you can hold so you can pass on more blessing than you ever thought you would even have in the first place. That's what God tells him. And notice in verse 3 how it puts it. Uh, This is as he expands that phrase, you know, uh, you're going to be a blessing. The final phrase in that expansion in verse 3 is, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. The Hebrew word there literally refers to a, a clan, a family clan. God is saying, every clan on the earth, Abram, your vision is not to reach one or two. It is 
all of them. The blessing is not just for you and your family, it's for all peoples. It is not just for those who are close to you, Abram, it is for all peoples. It's not just those who look like you or that you happen to like, Abram, it is for all peoples. Every group on the earth I want to bless, and I'm going to bless you, and your job is spread the blessing as far as you can. That's the call that God is giving to Abram. Spread the blessing throughout creation. Abram, you've heard the story. I bless creation, and then you all botched it up, and you sinned, and the sin and the curse has spread everywhere. I am calling you now, Abram, spread blessing. As far as the curse is found, as far as creation is found, I want you to be a channel of blessing. And Abram, I'm blessing you in every area of life. I want you to be a blessing to other people in every area of life. The primary blessing I've given to you, Abram, is the gospel. I want you to be a source and a channel of the gospel to other people. I called you when you were a pagan idolater. Abram, I want you to spread blessing and reach out and call others who don't even know who I am right now. This is the heart of what God is doing. Like Abram, all of God's people are called to be a blessing in every area of life. If you are here and you are a believer, you are blessed by God. Does not matter what you feel like right now, does not matter what your week has been like, does not matter what else is going on in life, you are the blessed of God. And friends, if God sets out to bless you, you are blessed. There's nobody can stop him from blessing you. But what God says is, when you get the blessing, here's the one thing that'll stop it. Take it and hoard it. God says, no, when you get it, turn and pass it on, because I got more to come. But if you hoard it, then that stops the whole cycle that God is trying to build. And friends, the primary blessing that this world is crying out for is the good news of Jesus Christ. The primary need of every single person, the, the spiritual warfare that rages around us is whether people can be brought into relationship with Jesus Christ. The reason we, we week after week are praying for these countries around the world, the reason that our congregation is invested financially and prayer-wise and laboring with people in far-flung places like Indonesia is they need the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everything else we can do pales in comparison. I am very grateful for the work we get to do around the globe in helping people with medical work. I am very grateful that we're helping to feed people. I am very grateful that we're helping rescue girls out of the sex slave trade and all of that. But friends, we have to pass on the gospel because everything else pales next to that. If we go through this life and you experience every blessing there is and you do not know God, you've missed why you were created. And so we, like Abram, are called to be channels of blessing. Now notice, this is why we have to trust God's promise even in the face of opposition. That's why God brings up this phrase there in verse 3 when he's explaining you're going to be a blessing. And then he says, I'm going to bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. The fact is, some people will respond positively to Abram being a source of blessing, and other people will not. Some people will view his attempt to be a source of blessing, in fact, as a curse. They won't want it. They will try to stop him from being a source of blessing. And so this is an echo. If you remember back in Genesis 3.15, God had, had predicted at the fall and said, look, there's going to be a seed of the serpent. There's going to be a seed of the woman. There's going to be this conflict that's going to rage down through the ages until the seed comes and he's going to put, put the kibosh. He, he's going to crush the serpent's head. Well, this is the same conflict. He's saying, Abram, the same conflict's going to continue. 
I'm calling you to be a source of blessing. There are those who will oppose you, and they will curse you. And when they curse you, Abram, here's what I want you to do. You curse them right back. Is that what God says? You give them like for like, Abram. You get on social media, and you cut them off at the knees, Abram. Is that what God tells them to do? What, 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 what does God say is going to happen? You don't need to worry about it. You're out spreading blessing. And if they receive that blessing, they are going to be blessed. And if they turn and they reject it and they curse you, you don't need to worry about it. I've got your back. And if God's got your back, you don't need to worry about your back. And God tells Abram, I will take care of you. He's going to come back in chapter 15 and say the same thing. Abram, I'm your shield. I'm your reward. You need not worry about what other people are doing. And friends, this same thing, notice, is a, is a principle that's picked up in the New Testament. Here's a couple of verses where Jesus and Paul tell us the same thing. Jesus says, you know, you've heard eye for eye, tooth for tooth, treat people just like they treat you. Here's what I say. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And what is that prayer supposed to sound like? Let's just be clear here. Is the prayer supposed to be, oh God, curse them? Oh God, get them. Right, wipe them out, oh Lord. That's not the prayer. The prayer is, oh God, open their eyes. Oh God, have mercy. Oh God, do not treat them as their sins deserve. Oh God, have mercy on them. I pray the same way Jesus did from the cross. I pray the same way Stephen did as the people were martyring. Do not hold the sin to their account. Paul, the apostle, tells us, do not repay anyone evil for evil. How many of you know this is really hard? See, there's only one way. In fact, it's not hard, it's impossible. This is not the way humans react, okay? And let me be clear, e even in my weakened state up here, this is not Brett's natural reaction, okay? My natural reaction is to very much go back to the Marine Corps thing and to meet force with overwhelming responsive force. But what that belies when we behave that way is that I don't recognize that God is my source and that God is my protector. And I don't have to behave that way. I can trust, and when I'm struck on one cheek, I can turn the other because God will protect me. When I am cursed, I can bless. And if I pour out blessing and they pour it onto the ground, it does not matter because God is an inexhaustible supply of blessing. That's where the focus needs to be. If I understand that God is my inexhaustible supply of blessing, I can constantly keep blessing others no matter whether they are responding with blessing or whether they are responding with curse. Friends, we need right now, we are in a culture that is full of people magnifying curse upon curse upon curse upon curse. Our, our culture is eaten up with that right now. We need people to step into the gap who will say, it doesn't matter how you will reply. I'm not going to respond. I'm not playing that game. I, I refuse to play that game because I'm blessed by God. Whatever you think, Whatever you say, whatever you do, you cannot prevent God from blessing me. Only I could prevent God from blessing me if I lower myself down and start behaving the way you're behaving, which I'm not going to do. I'm going to stay walking in the blessing of God. And so Abram and his offspring can seek to bless others with abandon, never fearing the consequences because God is their source and God is their protector. And the day I start trying to react like the world around me and you curse me, I'll curse you back, what that shows is I'm forgetting that I'm walking under God's covenant blessings. 
and I don't need to, I don't need to do that. I've got God as my source. I've got God as my protector. And at that moment, I need to go back and meditate on who I am and what covenant I live under and how God has responded to me. Now, how do we apply this? Again, we're going to take multiple weeks to unpack what God's doing in his covenant with Abram. But how do I apply this uh, in my life today? Number one, I, I just have two questions and we'll pray. Number one, do I see God's rich covenant promises to me? Friends, if you are a Christian, you are in covenant with God. And we're going to see throughout this whole series, they all culminate in the new covenant. And every covenant promise is yours in Christ. God's covenant with Abraham is rich in blessings. And God's covenant promises belong to Abram's seed. And here's the key issue. Who is Abram's seed? Jesus is, and everybody in him. Notice in Galatians chapter 3, verses 16, and we'll look at 29. It's the whole chapter. Let me just two key verses. Paul speaks and says in verse 16, the promises were spoken to Abram and to his seed. And he's talking about Genesis 12, 15, 17 uh, in Galatians 3. The promises were spoken to Abram and his seed. So every one of those promises we heard about this morning belong not only to Abram, but to Abram's seed. And then notice in verse 29, Paul says, if you belong to Christ, who in here belongs to Christ? Then you are Abram's seed and heirs according to promise. In other words, it is no different for you than it was for Abram. When Abram that day woke up and God Almighty walked up and said, I have decided to take you on as my project of blessing. It is no different for you. It's as if you wake up every morning and God Almighty says, I want to show how I can bless and you are my chosen recipient. Now, I want you to think about that. And let's be honest, that is not the way most of us are going to wake up tomorrow morning. Well, it may not have been the way. I hope now it will be the way you will wake up tomorrow morning. Will you wake up tomorrow and say, God Almighty, because of his own grace, not because I deserve it, not because I'm worthy, it's because of the gospel. God Almighty has chosen to bless me. All Christians, whether you are Jew or Gentile, you are Abram's seed. You are heirs of all of God's promises to Abram. And friends, that is primarily, again, the gospel. I want to remind you, whatever else is going on in your life, here is what is true of you. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, and you've been made alive with Jesus Christ. And you've been raised and seated in the heavenly places at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And you have been blessed in those places with every spiritual blessing in Jesus Christ. You and I, who were covered in sin and have no claim or purchase upon the mercy of God, have been given mercy in Jesus Christ. And you are justified, just as if you had never sinned once in your whole life, in thought, word, or deed. And just as if every thought, every desire you had ever had was perfectly righteous before God. You have been given the Holy Spirit. You have been sealed into the day of redemption. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. You are laid upon by the power and every blessing God has is yours in Jesus Christ. That's what it means to have the gospel. All of this is yours. All of this is mine because we are in Abram's seed, Jesus Christ. And God's rich blessings touch every area of your life. 
I, I'm not going to put it up today. If you, if you want to read a picture of blessing, read Psalm 112 later. And you'll see all the realms of life where God's blessing touches. Friends, I want you to think in your family, in your relationships, in your finances, work, every area of life, I want you to think about it. And I want you to understand we are called to look to God as our unending source of blessing in every area of life. Now here's the, the rub for me. Do I see and meditate on this? Because see, what, what Satan wants to tell you and what he wants to tell me is that's not how we live. That's not the way things are. He wants us to focus on this is going on and that is going on. But see, Abram had to understand this is the beginning of Abram's journey. When God tells Abram this, he's looking around. He has no children. He's not a nation. He's just an old man wandering around. He's not full of provision. He's left everything behind. He, he doesn't seem to, to have might and power and protection. He seems to be vulnerable in the middle of nowhere. Everything around him says it's not so. But see, God is the God who calls things that are not as though they are. God is the God who raises the dead and brings them back. Do you and I see and meditate on this? In every area, if you have an area of life that seems to be barren, you need to cry out, meditate, cry out to God for his provision of blessing in that area. Friend, does it permeate every area of your thought and your lifestyle? Do you and I live? Too many Christians, we live with a sense of scarcity. But see, that, that belies that I'm not recognizing, no, God has blessed me. And that blessing does not run out because it's not dependent upon me, it's dependent upon God. Now that leads to the second question, which is, how am I being a channel of blessing to others? And I don't even want to phrase it, am I, because I, I want to assume we're going to be obedient. The call is blessed, why? To be a blessing. And it never stops. One of the biggest problems we've got, and you know, there's whole streams in the evangelical church today, and they want to talk about blessing. And the blessing is always how I can get this and how I can get that. And if you've got faith, you can have, that, that is completely devoid of an understanding of who God is. We are blessed to be a blessing. It is never to be consumed on myself. We are to be like Abram. And it is a deep principle woven throughout the whole universe. Look at this passage in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25. A generous man will prosper, and he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. The Hebrew is literally the soul that blesses will prosper. That's what that phrase, a generous man, is literally the soul that blesses will prosper. Who in here would like to prosper? Then here's what you do. You go out and you start blessing. See, that, that's the way it works. If you want to be blessed, be a source of blessing to others. But see, we, I want to wait until I get it built up in my own bank account and until I feel like I've got enough going on and God says, and you're, you're never understanding how this works. I bless you. I give you the promise I'm going to bless you. Start being a blessing to others. And the second it starts coming to you, you start being a source of blessing to others. It applies to every area of life. One of the reasons Christians sometimes don't even understand the blessings we have in the gospel is we're not active in sharing them with others. You want to know what will stir up your understanding of what you have in Christ? Start telling other people other Christians, what they have in Christ, start sharing the gospel with others to explain to them what they could have in Christ. And you will achieve a greater understanding, a greater experience in your own life. But if I just say, I just want to enjoy the blessings of God and I don't want to pass them on, it all stops up. The same thing is true relationally. <laughs> we need to give ourselves to serving other 
people. And there's a thing that happens when you serve other people. Somehow it seems to just come back onto you. Give, Jesus said, and it will be given unto you. And so we, we turn this into, well, I'll put $5 in the plate and I'll get 10 out. That's completely missing the point of what Jesus is talking about. It's a principle. Are, are you a giver or a taker? Are, am I a consumer or am I a blesser? And Jesus says, if you are a blesser, you will always find your cup full. You will always find it overflowing. If you're the kind of person who's trying to keep it, that, that water will run stale and dry. And so there's, I remind you, I've mentioned this before, you remember in Israel out of the same river, there's two seas, the Sea of Galilee, which is full of life because the river flows in and it flows out and then it, there's another sea that it flows into. What's that sea called? The Dead Sea. Why is it called the Dead Sea? Somebody help me out. Because there's nothing alive in that sucker. It's as dead as it gets, okay? And why is it dead? It's the same water flowing in because nothing goes out. Nothing goes out. So the question for you and me this morning is, am I blessing other people with the gospel? You want to enjoy everything you have in Jesus Christ? Pass it on to others. Tell them who he is and what he's done, and you will find an experience in your soul that is overwhelming. But if I hold it in, it shrivels up. Am I blessing other people relationally? If I see somebody struggling, do I just reach out to them? Do I pray for them? Um, I, I was encouraged. <clears throat> I, I, I hope it's okay. I'll share. My, my friend Lee just reached out to me yesterday, I think it was, and just said, hey, man, I just wanted to check in on you and see how you're doing. You, you check in on other people. I'm just checking in on you. Man, I appreciate that he just reached out to me to just see how I was doing because he knew I had had the flu because I couldn't go to Connect Group the other night. Do, do we just do that? Do we just reach out to somebody else? Do we just check in? There are other people here who have got gifts and do that. Friend, reach out and serve others. Be a blessing to others. And what you will find is it will come back on you. Am I a blessing to others in serving? There are so many ways to serve here in the church and other things. Why are we engaged? Why are we going to invite 1,000 people here on our property in six weeks? What are we getting out of that? Is this a moneymaker for us? No, it costs, because we just want to be a blessing to other people. And I believe that if when we are blessed, we are a blessing to others, it's a whole cycle, and God will bless us. And then we can be an even greater blessing to others. Are we serving in that way? Am I a consumer or a giver of blessing? Am I the Dead Sea or am I the Sea of Galilee? That's the question for us this morning. So if we can stand together, we're going to stand and I'm going to close us in prayer. And of course, then we'll have our benediction. But I want to encourage you to be thinking through and asking the Lord how he's calling you to work in this area. Friend, if you are in Jesus Christ, you are blessed. And friend, if you are in Jesus Christ, you are called to be a blessing. Father, you are truly the God of blessing. Lord, you did not create because you were lonely or you needed to. It was out of your overflowing abundance that you spoke. And out of nothing came everything. And into everything came light and life, and expansion, and multiplication, because you are a God of blessing. You speak, and the ground produces. You breathe, and your image comes up out of the dirt, and we live. Father, you are a God who blesses. And even in the midst of when we violated your covenant and sinned, even when we brought the curse down, your blessing continues to spread even through that curse. Father, 
You are the God who called Abram. You are the God who blessed Abram and his descendants. You are the God of blessing. And Father, this morning we stand here as Abram's seed. Not because of our own righteousness, but because of Jesus Christ. And so we stand this morning and we proclaim that because we are Abram's seed, we are blessed. Lord, in every area of life, we are blessed. But Father, primarily we are blessed with your gospel. And so Lord, we pray this morning that we would not be guilty of being the Dead Sea. Lord, we do not want to take your blessings in and hoard them and shove them away in a treasure room. Lord God, we want to pass on what you have given to us. Father, we want to see it multiplied. Lord, we want to be like the widow who when the prophet came to her only had just a little bit of meal but was willing to give it away and then watched you multiply it day after day after day after day. Lord, we want to be like the little boy with the fish and the loaves. We watch when we put it in your hands what you can do. Oh God, we ask that you would send us forth and we would spread your blessing everywhere we go this week. Father, I pray for every one of us that when we go to work this week, if there's somebody next to us, Father, that is having a rough day, I pray we would be a source of blessing. If there is someone, Father, who is going through a period of grief, I pray that we would be a source of comfort. Father, if there is someone who is lacking financially, Lord, I pray that we would be able to reach out and meet that need. Father, if there's someone who does not know the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we would be your mouthpiece to share with them the good news. Father, you have blessed us. There is no way we will ever outgive you. And therefore, Lord, I pray that you would give us a spirit of boldness, that you would give us a spirit of abandon to go forth and spread your blessing everywhere. And as we do so, Lord, we pray that you would bless us more so that we could be a bigger source of blessing from here to the ends of the earth. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to speak God's word of covenant and blessing to Abram over you as Abram's seed. I encourage you, reach out, grab it by faith, and then spread it around. The Lord God says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and you will, I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and if anyone curses you, I will curse them. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Go forth blessed and be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.